That's Ayla Brooke in the Soundman. Their album, Desolation Sounds, Fallen Tree Records. We love it. Welcome to Real Talk on this Thursday. It's December 2nd, and this episode is presented by the team at Bitcoin Well. Over 200 Bitcoin ATMs in Canada, more internationally as well. And then in person, they offer you that white glove service. Free one-on-one consultations to answer your questions about crypto. Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Winnipeg. And they can line up virtual consultations for anybody across Canada, including helping you set up the Bitcoin wallet. Jespa, what's a Bitcoin wallet? Well, ask the team at Bitcoin well. You'll find them under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. This is kind of like a, it feels like a bit of a makeup episode in a way. It's a make good episode in a way. You may know earlier this week we had gremlins attack our infrastructure on Monday, all part of the Cyber Monday trend. It was taking down websites, the online traffic, the e-commerce was uh, actually pretty remarkable. And it meant that we had to reschedule a couple of guests that we were like, hell no, we're not just canceling these conversations. We got to make sure we check in with Farron Anslow, a climatologist out of University of Victoria. Farron's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes time to talk about this extreme weather that British Columbia continues to experience. Experience, uh, the, these atmospheric rivers. What even is that? We're going to find out. And is there evidence, like actual evidence? Don't roll your eyes. Let me get the question out. Is there actual evidence that what's happening right now in BC is due to climate change? Yes or no? Wouldn't you like to know the answer? Wouldn't you be able to talk to your friends about it? We'll get into that with Farron Anslow coming up in just a little bit. Plus, what's going on at the Polish-Belarusian border? Uh, Michael Bosserkew is going to join us live from London. We had Michael for about three minutes on Monday, and, and, and it was just interruptions. And we thought, you know what? This guy knows exactly what he's talking about. He's going to shine some light on a situation I think is murky for a lot of people. You may know that there's conflict here, and, and, and migrants are trying to find passage through safe passage through and you may have been hearing some things about the belarusian leader uh, they, they call him europe's last dictator and what are the dynamics at play and what do we need to know about this michael's got us covered a global affairs analyst uh you, you may have seen him on cnn bbc world he's going to be joining us in you know about 40 minutes time looking forward to that sarah hoyles the editorial producer of this show is keeping a keen eye on a lot of the stories that are making news including last night out of ottawa the house of commons i'm going to say no matter which way you slice it i mean unless you're a proponent of conversion therapy unless you're an advocate for conversion therapy this maybe isn't a good news story but for every decent person across the country right now a bipartisan cross the aisle effort right a a, a motion from the conservative party conservative the official opposition approved unanimously before we get into some video of this uh, this is a pretty big deal and a lot of people are saying this is the type of thing we'd like to see more of from our politicians absolutely yeah i mean the third reading was in june and at that point 62 conservative mps voted against it so last night unanimous Everybody was on board with this, which means it just gets fast tracked. It's happening. This is a bill to ban conversion therapy. Yeah. So, you know, folks that say, oh, you can pray the gay away. There you go. You got it. That's cutting right to the the chase. That's exactly what we're talking about here. It's a bit of an unexpected move. For sure, right? <laughs> yeah, that's especially like you said, sixty-two conservative MPs voting against it. The the uh, the vote last night unanimous. It heads off the prospect of a divisive debate mm. on Bill C four as well, which is a big deal. And we wanted to bring you this. I mean, this is this is live from the or not live. This was recorded obviously live from the floor last night. Check it out. This being a hybrid sitting of the House, for the sake of clarity, I will only ask those who are opposed to the request to express their disagreement. Accordingly, all those opposed to the honourable member moving the motion will please say nay. Agreed. The House has has heard the terms of the motion. All those opposed to the motion will please say nay. There being no dissenting voice, I declare the motion carried. Ah. 
there being no dissenting voice and, and, and how unusual to hear such silence in the House of Commons. And typically, we'll say disagreement and debate can be a healthy thing. Oh, 100 percent. Right? When it comes to policy, it's kind of the whole point. We, it's, it's very unusual to see unanimous vote in the House of Commons. But this is one that sends a very clear message uh, to the LGBTQ2S plus community, plus, in my opinion, uh, especially important to young people, mm-hmm. right? To young people where we know that, that rates of, of uh, mental illness, depression, and particularly suicide among young members of that community. Uh, this is something I think that sends a very clear message from the highest level of government in Canada and it's a big deal here's what the buzz was online when it came to analysis of that unanimous vote last night here's what people were saying and and appreciate some of these tweets including this one from Courtney Terrio news reporter out of Edmonton says as the House of Commons moves unanimously I love that Courtney posted this photo to fast track the conversion therapy ban the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau walks across the aisle to shake the hand of opposition leader Aaron O'Toole if I asked you when's the last Last time you've seen a prime minister walk across the aisle to shake the hand of the opposition leader like me, you'd probably sit and spin your tires until somebody bailed you out and said it was years ago. Let's get to this one. It's you know, and it's and it's very rare, but it's nice to see that it can happen. Here's another message. This was another tweet online. This from Marnie Panis, a transgender woman, says in tears, reflecting on what we just witnessed in the House of Commons with unanimous passing of C4. Well, today's events, Marnie writing this yesterday, today's events are remarkable. None of this is possible. And she's right. Without years of hard work and the bravery of the survivors who spoke up oftentimes when unsafe to do so. Marnie's bang on on that. And how about this from our pal Brittle Star, who joined us just a couple of days ago here on the show. Brittle Star says Canadian government unanimously votes to ban conversion to ban conversion therapy. More of this, please. Governments, people love to see it. Mm-hmm. So that's a great news story. I love opening with a good news story out of Ottawa. Doesn't always happen. Right. Typically, <laughs> you know, you're you, you've got this partisan perspective. You're a you're a partisan NDP supporter or a convert conservative supporter or a liberal supporter. And you think the other side are just a bunch of idiots. And in this case, we get to say now, well, main in everybody may not. I don't know if I don't know if the 62 conservative MPs that voted against this motion last time have all completely changed their minds, mm. but they're on board and it's a big step. And I think that you got to take wins like this when they happen. And that's a big deal. Now, there's also a story that I think the world is paying attention to. Then there's Olympic implications. There's yes. certainly implications within the tennis world. Uh, the WTA, the Women's Tennis, tennis Association, suspending all tournaments in China. And Sarah, this is a story that obviously many people have been keeping an eye on uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, people concerned about the safety of Chinese tennis star Peng Shui. What's the update here? Well, uh, she hasn't been heard of uh, or heard from in about three weeks. And so, yeah, the spokesperson for the chairperson for the WTA went on the record saying, yeah, we're we're halting. It's not things are not being canceled. They're being postponed. They're being, you know, just held status quo stasis uh, until something is done and they can actually address what's happened. So the 35 year old about three weeks ago accused a top Chinese official of sexual assault Mm -hmm. uh, went missing. Uh, disappeared from public view shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the chair of the WTA, Steve Simon. By the way, is it weird that the chair of a women's tennis association is a dude? Is that a little bit weird? Things a little bit weird. Anyway, I it's, digress. Uh, it's kind of uh, par for the course. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Which doesn't make it any what, less weird. Older white guys at the Just, head of organizations. But, but, but the Women's Tennis Association, shouldn't there be? A, anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> WTA chief Steve Simon says he has serious doubts that uh, that Peng Shui is free, safe and not subject to intimidation. And tennis stars are coming out in support of this. Uh, Serena Williams supports it. Naomi Osaka and Martina Navratilova, one of the greatest of all time, tweeting this is a brave stance. By Steve Simon in the WTA, where we put principle of uh, above money, above dollars, and stand up for women everywhere, particularly for Peng Shui. Uh, now, what say you? Wonders Martina Navratilova. What say you, International Olympic Committee? Hey, the IOC. It's a fair question, right? China getting set to host these games. How appropriate is that, or not? She says, "I can barely hear you." And a lot of people are kind of starting to wonder uh, what the implications should be for the Olympic Games. This is something that's it's brazen. It reeks 
I was going to it's not it's not suspicious. It reeks. And the question is, what should the international community, the international sporting community, and for that matter, the international community, period, be doing about this? And so so this is something certainly I know that a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on. Sarah, you're going to be keeping your eye on the story. Uh, and you that's bet. one where, you know, we're curious for your thoughts on this as well. Do you think that nations like Canada should be participants? Should there be implications here with regards to participating in the Olympic Games? Uh, I know that boycotts are not taken lightly. Oh, hell no. But they do happen. They're a big deal, but they do happen. Uh, boycotts hurt athletes. But you know what hurts athletes more? Fellow athletes uh, allegedly being kidnapped and held against their will and intimidated mm-hmm. and potentially harmed. And so this is a story, you know, curious for your take on that real talkers. In just a second, we'll talk to climatologist Farron Anslow, get an update on what's going on in British Columbia. I want to remind you how proud we are to partner with the team at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. They've got great specials on right now with regards to their supplements, and you can check them out online at granddog.ca. A reminder, when you're ordering your quality raw dog food for delivery, from their website you got to use the promo code real talk if you want to get 10 percent off your first time order they've got their four leaf rover supplements one of the greatest product names i think i've ever heard four leaf rover supplements now available they're shipping across the country unless you're in new brunswick and quebec apologies to you a minimum 50 dollars order there uh, the real talk discount can be used for all supplement orders and don't forget They've got a blog section on the website as well. If you've got questions about why eating raw might be good for your dog, or, or maybe you're on the fence, you're still got, you've still got them on kibble, there are some things you can do for your dog's health. Check them out online, granddog.ca. Our friends at Friesen Brothers are especially interested in having me let you know that they've got catering options ready to go through this entire month. All right, that means that you can leave all the work to their team of Red Seal chefs and just invest in your family members this holiday season. They've also got gift boxes that they can customize to any theme, person, or occasion. You can check out Friesen.com slash gifts for more information. And don't forget that the Friesen Brothers Fresh Market stores, they've got 16 stores across Alberta. They're hosting Christmas feasts in their Fresh Market stores every Saturday from 4 to 8 p.m. All-you-can-eat turkey and ham dinner buffets for just... $25 a person, a fantastic deal. I can personally let you know that the food at the Friesen Brothers Fresh Market stores tastes just like Grandma Ma used to make. Our friends at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge have better selection now than they have in a year and a half, and the implications are big when it comes to choosing your next ride, whether that's a Ram 1500, whether that's a new Dodge Challenger, or maybe anything from the Jeep lineup. Of course, there's many more to choose from as well. I'm a big Jeep guy. I probably don't have to tell you that. They've got that new Grand Cherokee L in store now, the third row of seating, plus the Grand Wagoneer. This is the big one. This is the one that's competing with all the other big ones, like the Navigator and the Escalade and the Yukon Denali. The Jeep Grand Wagoneer's looking fantastic, making a big splash. And they've got them for your test drives right now at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Well, the province of British Columbia, uh, do I do I say continues on, presses on with a stiff upper lip, as Churchill and the Brits used to say when faced with great adversity? This one, of course, climate related, weather related. These storms, these atmospheric rivers rolling through entire communities have been impacted. I'll let you know that tomorrow we're going to be talking to the manager of recovery for the village of Lytton. Allison Post is going to join us. Boy, wildfire this summer and then flooding now. Lytton has been certainly receiving the eyes of, I think, Canada and probably safe to say the world as a community, an example of a community that's experiencing nothing short of devastation. Farron Anslow is keeping an eye on this as the climate analysis and monitoring lead at the Pacific Climate Impacts Consortium out of the University of Victoria. He's got a background in glaciology. How cool is that? And climatology with a research focus on historical and future climate variability and change. Farron has a little bit of experience here, knows what he's talking about, and we're thrilled to have him joining us on the show. Welcome to Real Talk. Hi, Ryan. It's good to be here. Before we get into all the gut-wrenching stuff, the stuff that's tough to talk about as we take a look at, at BC and the impacts of this flooding and these storms, c- can I ask you about glaciology? Is that what it sounds like? You're, you're an expert in glaciers? Yeah. Um, I, I've i always been interested in weather and climate and got into mountaineering at a at a later age and, and realized that the 
the kind of studying the snow and ice of our mountains is the way to combine those two fields. And um, yeah. Fascinating. Spent a lot of time outside doing research. Yeah, we've we we're, we're partners with Tourism Jasper, and we've got a whole bunch of of audience members I know that love getting out to the mountains, including myself. Uh, we've got a, a summer tradition with this same hiking group every year, and oftentimes we're lucky enough to be able to view glaciers, and it's so striking to see the creep back. I mean, the disappearance of these glaciers. I, I know I'm asking you a loaded question here, and I promise to move on to talk about BC in just a second. Mm-hmm. But but in your estimation, how far away are we? from glaciers being nothing but a memory. I mean, will they, in our lifetime, will we see these glaciers disappear? I'm sure there are some notable exceptions. I know there are some massive glaciers, but with regards to what people typically see, the Columbia Icefield and others, are they on their way out? Um, yeah, the, the, the small and medium-sized glaciers are on their way out in a, in a few, you know, few decades to half a century or so. Um, we actually have glaciers here on the island and you know their their time is short they're they're not receiving enough snow they're melting back all their snow each year um you're right that the the bigger glaciers like the the ice cap on the columbia ice field is going to be around for quite a bit longer there's there's a lot of ice there but yeah it's there's there's a future where um you know, you look up at your mountains in the in the late summer and fall and and you see nothing but rock um you know maybe some rock glaciers as we call them but that's a whole nother <laughs> whole nother thing to get into is it is it like is this a discouraging thing for you to talk about or is this just a fact are you just you're you're an, you're an analyst and this is just fact uh yeah it's it's really sad for me um you know for that reason i've got a i've got a personal connection to the mountains um and you know, you get used to the environment that you, you love. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's, it's becoming harder and harder to see all these, these different effects of climate change as, as they advance forward. It's like, you know, stuff's being kind of yanked out of your life and you don't expect, or, you know, so that we don't expect to come back for, you know, I knew for my lifetime, that's for sure. When we're talking about climate change and when we're talking about evidence of it and, and occurrences around us, everybody's got an opinion. And I know that a lot of people have conversations in coffee shops or on the sidewalk or in the stands while their kids play hockey about whether or not what's happening in BC right now with flooding in these atmospheric rivers or the wildfires before that or any of the other climate related news stories we monitor, whether or not it's related to climate change per se. And some people have read about it, you know, based on posts on Facebook and some people have done their own research, but you're actually an expert. So I actually care what you have to say about this. When we look at what BC is experiencing right now with these floods and these storms, is this directly related to climate change? And if so, what can you help us understand about it? Um, yeah, to get it to get it on the table right away, um, we cannot say this is directly related to climate change. Um, these events that we've seen, it's making that connection is a is a really detailed process. Um, requires crunching a lot of numbers, looking at what we think is going to happen in the future with climate model projections, um, comparing what happened to that future and to the past. Um, and that takes time and we just haven't had a chance to do that yet. So, so from that point of view, we can't, can't say this is climate change, um, in terms of this event. Um, but we do know that these atmospheric rivers are going to happen, um, more often in a warming climate. And also they're supposed to last longer, which is, um, kind of the scary, the scary detail in this. Um, so this particular one that started off all the flooding and then we had three more afterwards. Um, it was damaging because it hung around for so long and, and that duration is what what causes a lot of trouble. So that that aspect is is troubling. Can you bring us up to speed on what's happening right now, most significantly in BC? We keep hearing of these. It, it, it's kind of reminiscent of COVID in a way, isn't it? Like you hear about these different waves coming through, including these atmospheric <laughs> yeah. rivers. And just when people will say, oh, my gosh, how much more can we take or how much more are we going to be subjected to? Well, here comes the next one up to the minute, like on this Thursday, for example, assuming people are going to listen to this today or within the next 24 hours. What's most relevant about what we're seeing in B.C.? So 
right now we're we're at the very tail end of the last atmospheric river for the time being of this you know this horrible train of atmospheric rivers that we've seen um some rivers are starting to fall but um the flooding that you've been showing pictures of down in uh, the fraser valley and the sumas prairie that that flooding is going to stick around for a while because that water really has nowhere to go it has to get pumped out into the Fraser. Um, there's a lot of water there. Um, but some rivers up uh, up north, um, a friend of mine just tweeted that the, the Squamish River is, is peaking and is actually at a higher high than the earlier November event that we saw. Um, so that's still an ongoing uh, worry. Um, and then this whole thing was capped off by a really bizarre uh, mini heat wave that we had yesterday where um, you know, Penticton hit 22.5 degrees <laughs> centigrade. It was the tied for the warmest record in Canada of the, for December of all time. Um, so that's that's the second time BC's done that. Okay, so year. hang on it. But I'm sitting here going, nice. That must be nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why is it problematic? Just big melting effect? Yeah, I mean that alone in December is you know is great. I would I would. I would enjoy that, but um, from like an ecosystem point of view, from uh, forming a snowpack point of view, um, and then kind of bizarrely, there's it was really dry and really warm and and really windy, and um, you know you could you could project forward into the future and say if we had conditions like that, you know the the wildfire season is going to stretch out a little bit longer. Um, so there's you know it's it's enjoyable like like you know. People in, in Edmonton or, or Saskatchewan are probably looking forward to slightly warmer winters in terms of you know, not having to wear that many down parkas every day. But uh, the impacts are are broad um, of that kind of warming in the winter. How much of the, it seems to me like just to just to be real, it seems when we're, when we're talking about. Uh, evidence of climate change and climate patterns, a lot of it seems to be anecdotal. You know, where people will say it seems like winters are more mild or it seems to me like spring is coming earlier. It seems like the fall is more pleasant than it used to be, not as frigid. But the average person doesn't have evidence. We don't have charts and graphs and research to cite. We just go based on our memory. And, and oftentimes our memories can fail us. But do you see undeniable evidence that that temperatures are actually changing within someone's lifetime you know i've got a little guy who's six by the time he's 40 by the time he's around my age is is winter you know gonna gonna look and feel demonstrably different than it does right now what do you think yeah we're especially with temperature that's that's one where the the changes are really really palpable um it's a really good point that you make about um these anecdotes that we have in our mind um and you know our, the <laughs> how short of a history that we kind of account for and and that makes us all kind of bad climatologists unless we're looking at the data um and that can that can shoot both ways it can you know some people say well you know it rained 20 years ago so there's not climate change um or it was we had heat waves back in 1974 so you know there wasn't there isn't climate change um but it also works in the the climate change point of view where we're like well it seems warmer as you said um but certainly with temperature um we're we've seen a really remarkable warming since uh i mean throughout the century but in the 1970s it really started to take off and um and it's visible in trends in things like snowpack, uh, the temperature itself, um, you know, a variety of things. Precipitation is a little bit a bit trickier because it's it's a really variable um, element of our our weather, and so it's really hard to tease out those trends in in rainfall. Um, but there is evidence that extreme rainfall events are becoming a bit more extreme. Farron, when you're at a at a cocktail party or you know if you're if you're perusing the comments section on facebook if, if you ever put on your flak jacket and go in there uh and you see someone say this is all cyclical anybody that's paid any attention to this knows it's all cyclical we've seen this all before it's happened over the millennia or over millions of years uh, what's your response um i think the biggest the biggest counter to that is um 
it's really never been this this fast. Um, and the one thing that we know that is changing um, as quickly as as the climate is changing is you know the greenhouse gases that we're dumping out into the atmosphere. Um, so that's I think that's a, a to me a pretty strong piece of evidence. Um, I'm happy to take them into the weeds with the the paleoclimatological perspective. Um, so the perspective of what's happened in the past, like with the ice ages or or older. Um, but really, as as we move on, we're entering this this really unprecedented territory, um, at least in the last you know few million years of how much greenhouse gas is in the atmosphere. Um, and it just, you know, not coincidentally, but um, you could say coincidentally, the, the temperatures and all the elements that we expect to change with that greenhouse gas emission are changing um, as we've seen them change, or as we've expected they would for, you know, the last 40 or 50 years, at least, if not 100 years. Farron, how does a guy like you uh, watch the news with, with regards to, you know, the COP26, the, the the climate change summit, UN climate change summit and stuff like that? I mean, do, do, do you pay a lot of attention to to government policy? Are you a, are you an advocate of a particular approach? Uh, do you believe that lawmakers are are sincere and are moving at an appropriate pace? How do you process what you see around you with regards to a response to some of the things that you're talking about? Uh, I, it's a mix of frustration, but also understanding how hard of a problem this, this is, um, just because the, the changes that we need to make and the pace that we need to make them in is, is going to change people, change how people kind of go about their, their day-to-day lives to a certain degree. Um, you know, if, if, for example, we talk about, um, the oil patch, um, you know, needing to slow down or if, if those workers need to, you know, lose those jobs, you know, that's a, that's a big change in their, their lives. And so it's really important for policymakers to keep that in mind and, and understand that there's great resistance because people are really, really affected by what is being asked of them to, to address this problem. Um, yeah, for me, from the policy point of view, um, I don't, I don't comment on it too much, but, um, you know, I, I try to do my part personally, um, as best I can, but recognizing that like anybody, you know, I, I use fossil fuels. I, I put gas in my car when I drive it. Um, I use electricity, which sometimes has some coal on the grid and that's the the life we're in. And it, it takes leadership up at the higher levels to, um, to kind of help this change get ushered through. I appreciate you acknowledging that, though. It's realistic. It's like we 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 are using coal right now and we require natural gas and oil and gas is still a hugely important industry and a relevant industry, not just to the economy, but to people's everyday lives. And what does that so-called just transition look like? I mean, these are the questions. These are the conversations we want to have. We're not going to sit here and pretend like everybody can go off grid or completely green right away. It's not feasible. It's not realistic. And there are major implications um, across economic fronts and the conversations around the job market and, and a million things to consider. But of course, climate also, and, and, and our environment needs to be paramount or an important part of that conversation. So I appreciate your balanced approach to answering that question. I've got a good one from Jill, and we'll bring this full circle. We start with glaciers, and that's where we'll wrap for now, Farron. And I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. But Jill wonders, so how long should these glaciers have lasted? Like, I, I assume they were expected to melt. Are they just melting too fast? It's a good question. It's not like they're going to last forever. Yeah, it is a good question. Um you know, as, as you mentioned, there, there are natural long-term cycles in climate and, uh, the evidence that we have is, is going into the, you know, what we call the, the industrial age when, when we really started to put greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Um, we're in a cool period, um, but we're in a, a longer term cooling off, um, heading into the next glacial cycle. So, you know, the glaciers may have, continued to shrink for a while, but over the, the thousand year timescales, they would have grown right back and eventually, you know, covered right back over, um, 
Alberta and most of Canada, unfortunately. Um, so we've kind of thrown a wrench into that, that huge uh, 100,000 year cycle of glaciers coming and going um, by putting all these greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And uh, just one of, one of the many long-term impacts that, that we're seeing. I appreciate your steady analysis, measured analysis on this, Farron. And thanks for being so cool to reschedule with us. We were disappointed we couldn't talk to you earlier this week, but obviously your expertise is relevant as this situation continues across British Columbia. It goes without saying our thoughts are with everybody uh, there on Canada's West Coast. Have a great rest of your day, and thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. It was really great speaking with you. You got it. That's climatologist Farron Anslow. Uh, out of the University of Victoria, a really neat role that Farron has is the climate analysis and monitoring lead at the Pacific Climate Impacts Consortium out of UVic. I wanted that to be, I mean, aside from like, tell me about glaciers, that was technically the first question because I was just like, I, you nerded out. Well, dude. I mean, like how like he has a background in glaciology. That's pretty amazing. It is, yeah, um, it's one of my favorite photos on my Instagram. This is my subtle way of begging people to follow me on Instagram, shamelessly mentioning my account at Ryan Jesperson. But there's a photo a couple of summers back. You'll see it. It's unmistakable. My wife and I, Carrie and I standing on a glacier. Uh, it's just it's a special experience. And if you carry a little uh, Real Talk cask number one bourbon in your backpack, uh, there's nothing quite like digging your hand into that glacier coming up with a, you know, and hard packing a nice little sphere and having a bourbon on the rocks in the backcountry. It's a pretty special experience. Dogs aren't allowed up there, right? Uh, dogs on glaciers. You never want to have a yellow ice cube yeah, just, with, with your bourbon. It doesn't matter how good the bourbon is. You have a tough time balancing that out. <laughs> but the first question I wanted to ask Farron, aside from the glaciers, is how much of this it like legit? Because let's be honest. And, and one of the reasons why I think that sometimes people have a hard time meeting in the middle on conversations is because we lack sort of a reasonability. And I'm not a climate change denier. I am not a science denier. Uh, far from it. Uh, but I do not always appreciate when there are things like fires or slides or earthquakes and people go climate change, climate change. And then everyone goes, well, hang on. Is it though? Like, let's actually endeavor to find out. And I appreciate him saying maybe this isn't specifically due to climate change or he said we don't have the, all the evidence. We don't have the data. We haven't crunched the numbers. We don't know definitively yet right now. But here's the bigger picture on trends and developments and what we're studying and what we know. And I think that that's a really responsible way to approach the conversation. You're not going to turn people off that way. Right. This is a guy that studies this every single day with his team at UVic to be able to come in and say we don't know that. But here's what we do know. I appreciate it. And those are the kind of interviews that we endeavor to have here on the show. This is an ad read coming up in the form of an email. And I think that this is kind of unique. This is for Poppy Barley at poppybarley.com. The most amazing shoes and boots you're ever going to find, plus other leather accessories. You can see their handbags and all kinds of stuff. Passport holders, keychains. I mean, they just do amazing stuff. The outfit makers at Poppy Barley. But we got this email from Alana and I wanted to read it. She says, I, you know, she says, I'm listening to Real Talk. I'm wandering around in Winnipeg. And she says, it, it, it's so nice to be able to tune in. I wanted to share something with you about Poppy Barley. I'm so happy to hear you're partnering with them. I learned this early in the pandemic and it shook me in the best way. Alana says, for context, I work in the clothing and footwear industry. I sell to stores and my privilege as a straight white female meant that it had never occurred to me that there's a customer that is often overlooked, but not by Poppy Barley. Poppy Barley offers custom-fitted footwear at certain times of the year when their factories have capacity, and it's amazing. And I'm thinking like tall boots fitted to your calves or if you have unusually shaped or unusually sized feet. But what I never thought of is how empowering it might be for a trans person who outwardly presents as female to find great quality, stylish, classic pumps and other traditionally feminine styles and footwear sizes that would traditionally fit a man's body. Sure, there's drag footwear, but that's not the same. And I think it's amazing and quite frankly courageous that Poppy Barley includes trans folks in their advertising as well as offering classic traditionally feminine footwear styles in men's sizes in their custom collection. Alana says, I'm so impressed at how inclusive this brand is. She says, I've been pushing my own company to branch out and follow their lead. 
I also listen to signals from my customers, and I'm always eager to share Poppy Barley's extended sizing options. She says, now, I, I know that we can add a, a ton of caveats here. She says, I know that some people may push back on some angles of my take, but we have to start somewhere. We have to make space. We have to normalize things, and it has to start somewhere. And she says, I can't wait for the day when I run into one of my trans friends in a smoking power suit and killer poppy barley pumps. Kudos to this Edmonton-based female-owned footwear brand that's breaking, shattering glass ceilings and reaching back to bring others up too. Our world needs more of what poppy barley is serving. And the world needs more of what Real Talk is building too. And I'm so thrilled to see the two of you working together with gratitude, Alana. So technically, that's an advertisement for Poppy Barley in the form of a, an email from Alana, a real talker who chimed in from Winnipeg. Poppy Barley does amazing work on the sustainability front as well. Plus, you can read more about what they're doing to lift people up in some of their manufacturing warehouses, paying fair wages and offering opportunities, including that custom footwear manufacturing that they're doing out of Mexico. It's just an amazing, amazing brand. And we're proud to partner with them at poppybarley.com. It's not too late right now to order something. They're going to get it to you in time for the holidays. So you can have that poppy barley box under the tree. Also wanted to give you a shout out. If photography is your thing, if you know somebody that is a creator, the Black Friday sales continue at mcbainecamera.com until the end of today. And so this is kind of a sense of urgency that I'm trying to convey, including that brand new Ricoh GR3X. It's in stock and available for just $1249.99. You can pair that 26 millimeter GR lens with that 24.2 megapixel sensor, which what, what it means is a brilliant compact camera with unrivaled image quality. This is the camera you can throw in your pocket or in your backpack when you're walking across or near those glaciers always be careful on the glaciers everybody you can shop at mcbain with confidence this holiday season knowing your purchase carries a 30-day price protection guarantee they've also got unique photo gifts amazing stuff online and in person mcbaincamera.com is the destination mcbain create to inspire and our friends at the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park i reached out and i said hey so you know, we were talking about the sea salt co toffee fudge blizzard and the flamethrower burger through the month of November. And I said, what do you want me to focus in on the holidays? And I suspected they were probably going to say, well, obviously the holiday log cakes, the Dairy Queen holiday log cakes, an institution right now. If you mention real talk at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, they're going to hook you up with a holiday log cake for half price, half price at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road in the blizzard of the month this month is the Peppermint Hot Cocoa Blizzard Treat. What? This is the world-famous soft serve with peppermint candy cane pieces, choco chunks, and cocoa fudge. Unforgettable holiday flavors at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. That blew you back in your chair, Sam. Well, only, only, only Dairy Queen would dare to name a thing called a blizzard a hot cocoa treat and somehow they'll pull it off. They can pull it off at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. All right, we got to figure out what's going on at the, the border of Belarus and Poland. I know it's probably been through your news feeds. You may, you may have been scrolling on Twitter or wherever you get your news and you've been seeing reporting out of there. But how much do we know about what's going on, what's behind it and what it means? Michael Bosserkew is a global affairs analyst and a journalist. You've probably seen him reporting for BBC World and CNN, a former spokesperson for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. He's author of the book Digital Pandemic, and you've got to subscribe to his podcast. He co-hosts Global Impact. Michael, it's great to have you back live from London, England. Our apologies for the tech glitch on Monday. It's good to see your face. Thanks for making time for us. Good to see you as well, but hold on, where, where are the neckties? I put on my tie, especially for both of you. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, man, I've got a pressed collared shirt and a blazer. I mean, that's pretty good when you're working They're for looking your, good. You know, and I'm not even wearing sweatpants, Michael, so 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 <laughs> I showed up for you today in more ways than one. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make sense of, of what's going on uh, sure. on this border of Belarus and Poland, and I think the majority of people would be aware that something's happening, but maybe not sure exactly what. Can you bring us up to speed, including what sure. led up to this point? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Salute what you're doing. It, it ain't looking good, to be very frank with you. Uh, upwards of 100,000 troops uh, built up along the Ukraine-Russian border. Now, this has been 
in progress for the past few months. But let's just go back quickly to 2014. That's when your viewers will recall that um, Russia illegally annexed Crimea. And then two or three months later, they went ahead and uh, invaded eastern Ukraine, Donetsk and Luhansk. Big, big uh, chunk of property, almost the size of Switzerland, to put it in perspective for you. And uh, since then, very sadly, uh, this war has claimed well over 10,000 people, including the almost 300 people aboard that Malaysian Airlines flight that came down in July of 2014. And since then, we've had what can roughly be described as a kind of uh, simmering conflict, a hybrid war going on between Ukraine and Russia. But the one thing, aside from claiming all those lives, injuring tons of people, displacing millions and putting a kind of drag on the Ukrainian economy is that um, it psychologically impacted millions of Ukrainians inside and actually outside the country. Diaspora is very, very much involved in advocating for Ukraine, including that huge community in Alberta. But also um, it's a big, big distraction for the government. And just to kind of wrap this part up, um, just um, a couple, well, a day ago, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine floated the idea of opening up direct talks with Russia, with Vladimir Putin, the man behind all of this trouble. And that raised the ire of a lot of people in Ukraine. There were protests in Kiev the other day. So you get the sense that it's a very, very tricky situation and not easily solvable, despite all the parties getting involved, in, including the Canadian government. The, the anger from from everyday U- Ukrainians, uh, people in Ukraine, is 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 based on what the premise that there should be no cooperation here, that diplomacy is not the answer, that that this is not the type of government, this Putin led Russian government that can be negotiated with or that can be trusted. Is, is that the gist of it? Th- that's correct. And a big part behind that, I think, is that um, you know President Zelensky is a novice. Uh, he used to be a TV comedian, uh, now made president. So I don't think they trust him to be able to stand up to a guy like Putin. But then having said that, you know, uh, the diplomatic toolbox, it seems to me at least, seems pretty empty at the moment. And that what I mean by that is it seems there are a few um, threats that the West can issue to deter Putin from further uh, expansion or aggressionism. So what I'm saying, I, I said it this morning and a couple of days ago on a CNN interview, is that I think the only thing, the only thing that will deter Putin this time from a further land grab is what I call the nuclear option. That would be at least temporarily removing Russia from the international financial system. It's called the SWIFT payment system. That means it would be very difficult for him and his oligarchs and the big Russian-linked companies to do business anywhere around the world. I think that would get their attention. Do you think it's realistic? I think Michael may have frozen. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, um, I... I Sorry, it's that London cold. Sorry, it's that London cold coming in that made me froze. We we've got you um, back. But yeah, I, I okay. Yeah, it's that London cold that made me freeze for a minute. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's realistic. Uh, the other thing, fortunately, we're seeing because there are big meetings in Riga and going on in NATO right now is that the West seems pretty unified in terms of putting together a strong package that will deter Putin. But look, he has one other weapon at his hand that's very powerful. And that that is those gas pipelines that are flowing, for example, under the Baltic Sea into Germany. And that gives him incredible leverage uh, to force Europe's hand. Right now, when there's an energy crisis going on in Europe, there's not enough gas. So uh, Putin has that leverage. And... uh, you know, I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, uh, when governments have to choose between keeping their folks warm and industry going and everything and something which a lot of people don't understand the gravity of, it's it's a tough choice to make. Yeah, no, that's a fair question. Uh, in the meantime, Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko, um, and I'm curious for your insights there. I know some people refer to him as Europe's last dictator. He's told yeah. uh, hopeful asylum seekers that his country would not stop them for uh, attempting to cross into the EU wouldn't stop them from doing that. Uh, met refugees at a warehouse just uh, several days ago on Friday uh, that was turned into a shelter, told them they're free to head west, go home as they choose. How do, how do you assess that approach? And, and, and bigger picture, the leadership of Belarusian leader Lukashenko. Yeah, well, call him what you want. Uh, Europe's oldest dictator or the world's biggest nut job. But uh, what he's been doing right now using vulnerable migrants as a weapon against the West. I mean, give me a break. This is a 
horrible uh, abuse of human rights. Um, and, you know, he do he does all of this. Remember, he brought down that Ryanair jet uh, earlier this year that had a wanted Belarusian dissident on it because he knows he has the backing of Putin. He's basically been turned into Putin's puppet. So without that, uh, I don't think he would be as big of a nuisance to the to the West as he is now. The crisis on the border has eased off a bit. Um, You know, a lot of the migrants uh, or asylum seekers have gone home, but I expect more trouble for him from him rather. And you will see, for example, him blocking energy exports from Belarus uh, to Ukraine, to Moldova, to other uh, entities or jurisdictions which are not compliant. So um, he's 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 very much a dangerous man as well and needs to be reckoned with. Interesting question here from Dwayne, who's watching us live right now in our YouTube live chat. He wonders, does, does Mr. Basarku think that a war between Russia and Poland is possible with Belarus aligning with Russia? Can you see that happening? Well, I can see Belarus. Belarus is aligned with Russia. I mean, yeah. they have a security pact for heaven's sake. So, um, you know, the services of the Russian KGB, uh, the Russian military, uh, Russian technical assistance, all of that stuff. I mean, it's basically one entity right now we're talking about. So whenever anyone looks at Belarus, they must look at it as a threat on par with what we're seeing from Russia. Poland um, is part of the EU. It's in a bit of a different situation than Ukraine. It's uh, much more bigger economically. So, But if there were, for example, a provocation against uh, Poland, I think you would see the entire NATO get involved, uh, EU, uh, this block of Western nations. And that's, uh, by the way, what Ukraine is hoping. But one more quick point, if I can. After that chaotic withdrawal of the United States from Afghanistan, and after what happened in 2014 with Crimea and Eastern Ukraine, as I explained to you, you know, can we we, uh, expect the United States to really uh, put its reputation uh, on the front line and uh, try to protect Ukraine. I don't know. And a lot of Ukrainian politicians have the same question. It's not. Well, I, I don't know if you ever want to rule anything out. I should put it in the form of a question as opposed to a statement. But it's not realistic that NATO. I mean, if you're talking NATO, you're all, you're talking Canada, the United States. They're not going. Right. To, they're not going to war with Russia right now. Joe Biden's not looking to go to war with Vladimir Putin, right? No, I don't think so. They're going to try everything they can to avoid it, and for good reason, because it could really spiral out of control. It could turn very, very bad. But, you know, this is a conflict on the Ukraine should be seen now as the most, one of the most strategic pieces of territory in the world. And that's why the West has to really think about this carefully in terms of what its red line will be, because if you do not respond to such provocations, what, what's to stop Putin or other strongmen, authoritarians from doing the similar thing? So it's even symbolically very, very important. The feeling in Ukraine is that the West did not stand up for Ukraine in 2014 when its two pieces of very important piece of territory were taken over by Russia. So, um, yeah, there, there, there's reason for a lot of people in Ukraine not to sleep easy these days. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, with regards, I mean, there's the NATO angle, but with regards to what's an appropriate response from the international community, let me focus the question even more to ask you what you think that the Canadian government should do, if anything, in this circumstance. I mean, isn't there international law uh, that's intended to protect refugees and asylum seekers to have safe passage? I mean, isn't there an onus on uh, some of the world's more powerful or more influential nations to do something? If so, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I I think um, I wrote this, I think it was in a Global Mail piece the other day, is that we have to now, sorry, I wrote about it in a CNN piece, keep on getting them mixed up. Oh, that must uh, be so annoying getting mixed up. Was it it your time on CNN or the the Global Mail, Michael, real talk? I mean, you know. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I, I think what I, I think the main point to be made here is that we need to address the problems in the Soros country, for example, in Syria. Iraq, where you see such uh, desperation and displacement that people sell everything, give up their homes, say goodbye to their families, and take a very risky, risky journey to to come here. 
So that is the main thing right now. And I think that's where a lot of countries have fallen down, including our own Canada in terms of uh, cutting uh, foreign aid. Uh, the United Kingdom has cut a lot of foreign aid. And I hate to say this, and I don't mean to spoil people's day, but it's only going to get worse. We're going to see a tsunami of migrants, of asylum seekers, because of things like climate change, because of more conflicts. Uh, it's only going to get worse. So we have to find out uh, kind of joint solutions to these things. In terms of quickly uh, Canada and the specifics and what terms, what's going on in Ukraine, Canada is already there in Western Ukraine providing training to uh, the Ukrainian armed forces. But I'm told by experts I talked to recently in Riga is that uh, the training has to be tweaked to also train the higher ups in the chain of command because you may kind of train the guys on the ground, but unless the higher ups, the commanders don't understand how they can be more tactical or things like that, it doesn't really have the impact that uh, perhaps our taxpayers would like or deserve. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. Uh, the comments here are really interesting. I mean, I know that there are people that are members of this audience that are paying close attention to this dynamic in Eastern Europe. Uh, Linda Ray says, I mean, talk about a thankless job as a leader. Zelensky's got to go deal with the world's biggest bullies right from the get go. Lisa invoking the late 1930s uh, says this sounds like kind of a more of a Neville Chamberlain Adolf Hitler type conversation if Zelensky tries to talk to Putin is that a fair comparison is that like an accurate comparison I mean I, I always hesitate to comparing anybody to Hitler uh, is, yeah, sure. is is a bit of a fool's errand I'm not saying that directly to Lisa but but I mean how would you analyze or how would you respond to her comparison there a fantastic question. Well, look, Zelensky was elected on a very, very strong mandate. He had an incredible number of voters vote for him. And then he had a majority in parliament. So at that time when he was elected, it was seen that he has the upper hand and that it, look, it was a fresh face uh, compared to uh, President Poroshenko uh, to come and deal with uh, Putin toe to toe, if you will. He did try. Actually, he did an earlier prisoner swap, which was what we call in the business a confidence building measure. But then uh, what happened uh, behind his back, Putin started handing out Russian passports to hundreds of thousands of people in the occupied uh, uh, Donbass. And um, that was seen as kind of a betrayal of the peace process or confidence building measures. And now the feeling of myself and a lot of others is that Putin may now use the, those so-called Russian citizens as a pretext to invade further, saying they're under threat uh, by the Ukrainian army and that sort of thing. The other quick thing that is going on right now, which people have to be aware of, is actually Ukraine is getting some kind of air superiority in the Donbass. They have these very sophisticated Turkish drones that gave us the this could be seen as um, something that may provoke uh, Russia as well, and they may deal with it in a very strong way. Because if Ukraine has these very uh, tactical drones that can put out Russian military equipment, uh, it, it, it is worrying Putin. We know it's worrying him, and uh, that may provoke him as well. A provoked Putin. Uh, I don't know I'm sure that anybody needs to see that. Michael Bosserkew is a global affairs analyst. You can subscribe to his podcast, Global Impact, and check out his book, Digital Pandemic, a former spokesperson for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, joining us live from London, England. Michael, thanks so much for this. Wish you a great rest of your day. My pleasure. And if you want to get the book in Edmonton, Audrey's Books. Ah, <laughs> love it. There you go. It's our favorite bookstore. Thanks, Michael. You can find Audrey's Books right Thank on. You. you got it. If, if, if you're local, so to speak, if you're in Edmonton with us, I probably don't need to tell you where Audrey's is, but right on Jasper Avenue there. And uh, it's always I love going into this one's on the house, Audrey's. I love going into there, especially during the holiday season. I just get into my own little world. I love shopping in a mask. Shopping in a mask is the best. It's like going incognito and you go in there and just flip. I just being in a bookstore is like the greatest thing ever. Michael's book, Digital Pandemic, and our thanks to him. You know, sometimes I get a little bit not not frustrated, a little bit. I'm kind of like, come on, come on. When the Wi-Fi is kind of lagging and, the, and then I and then I have this moment and, and I like to even, you know, Monday we got a little frustrated with things outside of our control. And then we sit there and we go every single day we are streaming live on the World Wide Web, bringing in people from around the world to have these interviews like none of this would have even been possible 
10 years ago 10 years ago this would have been a pipe dream people wouldn't even know what what's the mixler live streaming audio app and i mean the, the fact that we can push this out every single day i try to keep my perspective when things like this happen these little hiccups great analysis from michael bossercu and i'm looking forward to future conversations with him you're so zen you're i'm trying like to be am i tr- I'm, living in am, the moment am i fooling everybody else as i try to fool myself <laughs> into being like i am so totally cool with <laughs> but what are you gonna do there's nothing you can do about Just it give over to the zoom guys. I, I saw some people i can't remember who it was in the live chat but somebody was like please don't freeze up now as soon as he was getting to a good question you know he's getting to a good answer and some insight please don't freeze now come on I'm always worried about when you're in the Zoom meetings and things like that. And when you freeze up, hopefully you hope that you're in a flattering pose. You know, everybody has like that one frozen. I mean, I would do my frozen face now, except for I know that Sam would turn it into a real talk gif. And so yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Okay, fine. Yeah, because I could see you. You had that gleam in your eye. I mean, you know, I can I, I can literally turn anything from the show into a real talk gift yeah, so i'm not you trying, know i'm not there there's a provoked putin and then there's, there's provoked brooksy we don't need to see either that's of them oh that's quite a comparison yeah we don't yeah yeah that was kind of a weird comparison don't read too much into it sammy don't read too much into it this is where i'll do a hard swerve into the breathe outdoors mention our good friends at breathe outdoors you can find them online at breatheoutdoors.ca you know them previously as campers village they've they've been outfitting people for the great outdoors since the 1960s but they recognize their team does not everybody's into camping maybe it's paddling or climbing or maybe it's just walking your dog that gets you outside every single day breatheoutdoors.ca the new brand absolutely beautifully done and their friends and family sales coming up this saturday we wanted to put that on your radar now real talk family you're their family so you're all invited it's 20 percent off pretty much everything in the store uh there are a few exclusions but for the most part this is your best shot at a great deal on on the things that you really want or the gift that they really want even if it wasn't on sale last weekend for black friday that's right there's things on sale coming up this saturday that were not on sale for black friday you can check out the friends and family sale 2021 at breatheoutdoors.com CA. They're also doing a giveaway with Mountain Hardware, uh, part of the celebration of their new brand, so that winner gets any two items from the Mountain Hardware Stretch Down Collection. All you have to do is check them out on Instagram. Look for Breathe Outdoors on Instagram, and they've got their post out. You can find all the details there. Our friends at Kubi Energy are in the Solar Energy Solutions game. That's exactly what they're doing, including that Kubi Cube I showed you the other day. You can see it on their Instagram page. They basically take sea cans, they cover them with solar panels and they're able to take people completely off the grid. That's just one way that they're getting creative and finding solutions for whatever your sustainable energy goal is. Commercial, residential, industrial, agricultural. Kubi Energy has you covered in Western Canada out of their two offices in Kamloops, BC and Edmonton, Alberta. They also work, by the way, with Park Power, which is really cool. If you want to learn more about how you can sell back to the grid, if you're going solar and you want to know what are some of the bottom line implications here, what are some of the benefits, Chris and his team at Park Power would love to talk to you about that. It's just part of their offerings as your friendly local utilities provider. I don't have to tell you by now, they're in the electricity, natural gas, and internet games. You can compare rates right now at parkpower.ca. And don't forget that promo code 2021 real Talk gets you $70 off your first bill. Eden Landscaping is bringing outdoor spaces to life. They've been doing it for more than 20 years, and the winter months for them are a mix of construction. They can still be putting, I mean, especially now with this mild weather, I'm not going to say one of the benefits of these changes to climate. I'm not going to go there. But the fact of the matter is, construction's continuing right now. They're still putting in screw piling. They're still able to build these outdoor structures so your outdoor kitchen can continue to function fully beautifully built in February and March and April heading into next summer. Mike and his team, you can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's Eden Landscaping. We've got Eat Your Words coming up in just a couple of minutes. This is kind of a unique one. Because I'm actually, I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to get ahead of the criticism. We're going to invite someone to eat their words that, that already ate their words. Um, and I actually kind of just want to give them a shout out. I kind of want to like pat them on the back and say they're there. Some of us have kind of sort of been there. Not quite to the extent that this guy in Australia is. But, but, but first, but first, I got an email from Tom based on our eat your words from last week. I invited David Suzuki and Jason Kenny and W. Brett Wilson and the others to all eat their words. David Suzuki. 
Suki said sooner or later, basically a pipeline's going to get blown up. Did you see he apologized for it the other day, by the way, David Suzuki did. And Tom wrote in to say, Jespo, you know, you say that we can't, you know, we, people can't talk about blowing up pipelines because someone's going to take it as marching orders. Um, and in particular, what I said was that when, when you're the grand poobah like David Suzuki, people will take it as marching orders. And Tom says that may be true, but we can't not talk about the prospect of violence in the battle against climate change, especially as governments move to shut down peaceful protest. He says, do not doubt that this is a war. Tom says, I laugh when I watch things like War of the Worlds, you know, because the threat to the planet didn't come from outer space. The enemy is already here destroying the planet, and it's coming from a subspecies of humans. He says, like more deadly strains evolve with COVID-19, a new mutation of money worshiping non empathetic humans have evolved with the goal of destroying Earth for selfish personal gain. Maybe we can call them Delta humans says Tom, actively killing and displacing the old type of human, winning the fight to take away our life-supporting, sustainable environment. And like pine beetles in our war there, many are not considering the long-term results. He says violence is being visited on people right now. How long can this happen with no response? If no non-violent method can get rid of carbon burning if governments and businesses prove incapable of change while death and destruction from fires and floods continue to mount a violent response is inevitable we must use this as an impetus for change not a reason to put in your earplugs that from tom i appreciate the perspective tom you can be in touch with us anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com now it is thursday again which means that on behalf of our friends at prairie catering we're going to offer somebody else an opportunity to he's a correspondent for australia's channel seven he's one of the anchors or a correspondent on the show called weekend sunrise and so he's flown to london to interview adele uh, one of the biggest entertainment superstars in the world, Adele, with her new album, 30. Everybody's talking about it. And so Matt flies there to interview her. He's got an exclusive for about a, a half an hour, but he doesn't listen to the album. He says he didn't get the album, so he didn't hear it. And so through the course of his conversation with Adele, and we have to take his word for it, she got kind of pissed off. And the reports are that she walked out of the interview. Now, he says that's not what happened, but... It was so bad, Sony refused to release the footage. So Matt Doran comes back to Australia without the interview. And so he's got to explain to his viewers on this national broadcast exactly what happened. And and the apology is about two minutes. I think we should play the whole thing. I mean, this is a guy eating his words if I've ever seen it in a way. Here's Matt Doran. Now, I want to address something that's made headlines this week and something that I would like to apologise for. This is a story that has sparked a torrent of abuse and mockery from around the world. And if I'm being honest with you, the bulk of this savaging I deserve and I totally own. I flew to London to interview Adele, an unspeakable privilege and what was to be one of the highlights of my career. I made the terrible mistake of assuming we weren't to be given a preview copy of this album because our interview was airing before it was released and Adele's album was the industry's most prized secret. The day after, after we landed in London, an email came through from Sony. It didn't mention Adele, but it did contain a link to her album. The genuine, dead set, hand on heart truth is that I missed it by an absurdly long margin, the most important email I've ever missed in my life. The interview itself, Adele didn't walk out, it ran over time. At least half of the interview focused squarely on the new music, that I thought it was reductive to describe it as simply being about divorce, that it was about empowerment and would inspire people to summon the courage to steer their lives in a new direction. We spoke of the paradox that is being the world's most famous artist, but hating fame. We also discussed at length the concept of pure artistry, the majesty of Adele's voice, what it must be like to hear that sound come out of one's own mouth. How Go Easy On Me was conceived in part by singing a cappella in the shower and how the album helped repair her relationship towards the end with her now late father. Throughout the 29 minutes, Adele was profound. She was funny. She was raw. And then she was honest honest enough to describe her depression as end of the world stuff. 
But all that doesn't matter because by missing the album link, however I might try to justify it, I've insulted Adele. To Adele I say, I'd never have knowingly disrespected you by deliberately not listening to your work. I am so sorry. I also apologise to Adele's Australian fans and to you, our viewers, who through my error have been denied this interview and the insight into her character. Adele, track 10, hold on, in the bridge after the second chorus, you write that sometimes forgiveness is easiest in secret. I'm not expecting that forgiveness, but I do owe you an apology. Thank you so much for joining us this morning here at Weekend Sunrise. That's all for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey. That is how you do it. I mean, that situation sucks. By a long margin, he says, by a wide margin, the most important email I've ever missed, to say the least. But when you come back empty-handed, when you don't deliver that interview with one of the world's greatest entertainers, the most notable singer, I would say, out of Britain right now, the remarkable Adele, I'd like to commend Matt Doran for stepping up to... Eat your words. A job well done, recognized officially by us and the team at Prairie Catering. You know, it's the time of season where more and more people are going to look to Prairie Catering to manage the holiday plan. Whether that's a gathering with friends, whether it's something you'd like to do for your colleagues, your co-workers, or in any other context, Prairie Catering delivers. They can do it online, prairiecatering.ca. Come up with a plan for you, whether it's 10 people or 2,000. And don't forget, they've just opened that stunningly beautiful restaurant, May, in the Art Gallery of Alberta. Now open to the public, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more stupendous venue in Alberta's capital city. It's May by Prairie Catering. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Sarah Hoyles has lined up a conversation with the Village of Lytton's Manager of Recovery. That's Allison Post. Wildfire. Floods. What's the plan? Plus, a Real Talk roundtable on to call or not to call. Wild pigs, wolves, caribou, oh my. And the return of Trash Talk presented by our friends at Local Waste. Get us your emails. Talk soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.